believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ. His only Son. His only Son, our Lord. Conceived by the Holy Ghost. Born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Was crucified. Crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again. He rose again from the dead. And ascended into heaven. And sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And from there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. The communion of saints. The forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of the body. And life everlasting. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. Amen. 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 Welcome to Summertime Church. I tell you, there's been no mistaking it's summertime the last week or two. Um, the heat has been uh, unbelievable. We had a nice uh, restful uh, week away, and uh, obviously, as Stephen mentioned, the church was in good hands. You guys clearly didn't break anything, and if you did, you replaced it before we got back, and that's much appreciated. What's that? With payments, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, thank you to uh, Beth and uh, Jerry for uh, stepping in. Uh, the church is in always in such good hands when when we're away, and uh, we're just thankful to have have been refreshed and renewed right here before Vacation Bible School. Um, we all need that. Um, the Apostles' Creed is what uh, you just heard, kind of a generational version of the Apostles' Creed. Um, it was written in the late 3rd century, and essentially what the creed does is it distills ten core beliefs that are the heart of the Christian faith into a creed, and that creed still stands today um, over all these years as a litmus test for right belief. Uh, the Catholic church that was mentioned there is Catholic uh, with a small c, uh, which means universal, for those of you who might have been wondering, not the Roman Catholic Church. Um, just wanted to clarify that. Uh, we begin a, a new series today, and really the Apostles' Creed is kind of foundational for us. It's where we'll begin in this new series. Uh, the series is entitled Believe, as you can see on the screen behind me, uh, delving into doctrine. Um, I know the minute many of you hear that word doctrine, the first thing you think of is dry and boring. And I'm going to try to do everything I can this summer because we're going to be moving through uh, this series uh, all summer long to keep it practical and relevant and not dry and boring. Um, but we're going to be exploring what we believe when it comes to the core tenets of the Christian faith uh, this summer. Knowing what you believe and why you believe it as a follower of Jesus Christ is essential, especially in this culture today, which is a culture that is becoming more and more intolerant, even hostile to the truths that we hold dear. As the old preacher used to say, if you don't stand for something, you'll what? You'll fall for anything. So over the next ten weeks, we want to solidify what we stand for as followers 
of Jesus Christ, what we believe. And today uh, we're going to start at the, the very beginning, literally. We're going to be looking at what we believe about God, the creator of all. It was A.W. Tozer who said this. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Whether you believe in a relational God who loves you beyond measure and calls you his child or a clockmaker God who wound this world up and then just stepped away from it or a cosmic killjoy God who exists to suck the fun out of your life or the ever-increasing belief that there is no God at all. No matter where you fall on that spectrum, what you believe about God profoundly shapes not only the way you live, but the trajectory of your life for all eternity. So this is important stuff. What comes into your mind when you think about God, Tozer said, is the most important thing about you. What comes into your mind when you think about God? Our family was on vacation in South Carolina um, <clears throat> two weeks ago, and uh, we took Caleb, uh, our son, uh, out to dinner to celebrate a couple milestones uh, in his life. Um, he actually is moving off the family payroll. He, he got a job after he finished his master's degree. So we're thinking, I heard a praise God, amen, coming from the front row. <laughs> Woo! Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about right there, don't you? So we take Caleb out uh, as a family. It's just the four of us, me and Kim, Caleb and Rachel, and celebrate. Caleb, you know, gets, you know, the kind of thing you normally gets when we're at the beach. He gets this big seafood platter with shrimp and scallops, little mahi-mahi, and he's, you know, he's a little healthier than I am, so he went broiled. Um, he got some, you know, he had some of, of she crab soup that uh, his mom shared with him, and then he helped Rachel finish off her crab legs um, at the at the end. Uh, it's a great meal, uh, food that he's eaten his entire life. Um, we we pay the bill, leave the restaurant, and uh, after we leave the restaurant, we're in the car. We're about five minutes down the road, and and. Uh, Caleb says to his sister there in the back seat, he says, you know, something weird going on with my arm. And uh, Rachel turns her cell phone light on, looks, and, and she said, well, you got hives breaking out all over your arm, you know. And he said, yeah, wow, I sure do. And then he said, I feel like my throat's closing up. Okay. We are in the middle of nowhere, South Carolina, in between islands, th this kind of thing, 40 minutes from where... We were staying, driving down the road. Um, Caleb, you know, he's clearly having some type of an allergic reaction. He's never had an allergic reaction to anything like this uh, in his entire life. Uh, we're in the car in the middle of no, barely have a cell phone signal, um, no hospitals anywhere around. So, uh, you know, we've got a dilemma. I mean, suddenly it just, boom, you've got a dilemma on your hands. 
You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. I mean, if we have to do it, I mean, I may be down the road here, but I'm thinking, you know, gosh, if, if, his, if this is full-blown anaphylactic shock, I mean, what are we going to do? You know, I'm thinking tracheotomy, the whole bit. I mean, seriously. I mean, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere. You know, I'm thinking, do we have an ink pen? <laughs> but, but honestly, and then, you know, then he begins getting worse, you know, and, and he's feeling, he's the one going through it. So he's thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, what's going to happen here? And, and so we're in the car going, what do we do? What do we do? Do we call 911? And, and keep moving in the same direction and maybe have the first responder try to intersect with us somewhere who has an EpiPen? Um, do we stop the car right now and just stay right here and call 911 and wait for them? I mean, we're in the middle of nowhere. Barely have a phone signal, if that. What do we do? What you believe about God matters in that moment it matters all the time but in that moment what you have hidden in your heart concerning who God is matters man if he's a clockmaker God who just wound this thing up and stepped away there, there's no need to ask him for help and if that's what you believe if that's who you think God is you're not going to ask him for help in that situation if he's a grumpy, cosmic killjoy, you probably brought this on yourself and he doesn't care anyway. And a lot of people believe that's who God is. If there's no God at all, you're definitely on your own. But if he's a relational God, a God who loves you beyond anything you can measure, a God that you know has your best interest at heart, a God who calls you his own, a God who calls you his child, just like we just sang, man, you ask him for help. And that's what we did. Not out loud, but every one of us, because we were thinking, we had the, man, the gears were going. Every one of us in that car was saying, God, what do we do? Help us. Don't, don't let this thing progress. You know, take care of him. Rachel gets a cell phone signal uh, on her phone. She searches the nearest emergency room, finds one in Charleston, South Carolina that was 25 minutes away. We were about 35 minutes from where we were going to back to where we were staying. And uh, there's no nothing around there anyway. And so, man, we turned that car around immediately. And we're still debating, should we call 911? Turn that car around immediately, and we're heading to the emergency room in Charleston. It was the longest 25 minutes that I can remember. Thankfully, we get to the emergency room. The reaction didn't progress any further after we got there and after IV meds and three hours of observing um, Caleb, they released him. So we got home about 2.30 in the morning, something like that. Did God intervene in that situation? I don't know for sure. But believing he was there, that he cared, that he was directing our steps, man, it made all the difference in the world to us. What you believe 
about God matters. The psalmist wrote this in Psalm 14. He said, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. How do we know God exists? How do we know God is real? That he's not just a figment of our imagination or a fairy tale concocted to soothe the masses, which is what many people believe. And first and foremost, just look around. Just look around. How can you deny when you step outside and look up and look around? How can you deny the existence of a creator God? And nature declares it. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. Man, I sat on the beach uh, last week. Uh, it's been quite a while since we've been to the beach. I mean, it, you know, we've been different places, but it's been a long time since we've been to the beach. And man, there's nothing like just sitting on the beach and kind of taking all of that in. So I'm just sitting there one day, and I, I'm just looking out at the vastness of the ocean, the, the horizon, man, the sun, the moon, the, the, the intricacy of it all, the tide, how God has put all of that together. And, and, and that, that's what the psalmist is saying here. He said, man, just look around. There is no denying the existence of a Creator God. There is no denying the existence of an intelligent designer. It takes more faith to believe there's not one, in my opinion. This planet is not the result of a random event. And neither are we. We were created with intent. Each of us, uniquely, individually, created with a purpose. Do you believe that? And if you believe that, it changes everything. I love the way Max Lucado puts it. He said, you weren't an accident. You weren't mass-produced. You aren't an assembly line product. You were deliberately planned, specifically gifted, and lovingly positioned on this earth by the master craftsman. And I love that. And it's true. And believing it changes everything. And we know God is real because nature declares it. But we also know God is real because history reveals it. Luke writes in Acts 17, From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them. Now, now listen to that. Take that in. God determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. Guess what? You're included in that. I'm included in that. God did this so that men would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. And that's comforting. I know it was comforting 
when we were headed down the highway to Charleston. And God is moving in human history. He's moving in a purposeful, redemptive direction. Even to the degree degree that He determined the time and place that you would live to accomplish His purpose. None of this is by accident. None of us is here now, today, by accident. History reveals the existence of God. Even our calendar is divided into two distinct eras based on God's intervention in human history. The birth of Jesus Christ literally draws a line in the history of mankind. We know God exists because nature declares it, because history reveals it. And I don't know about you, but my experience confirms it. I remember the day God became real to me, the day I gave my life to Christ. If you've been around here long, you've heard me share this testimony a thousand times. When I was 26 years old, never been to church, never opened a Bible, the weight of my sin and the emptiness of my soul was was just more than I could bear. Kim and I had been married five years. We didn't have any kids yet. I owned a business here in Atlanta, and things weren't going the way I'd always hoped that they would go with that. And I didn't know where to turn. Uh, Kim was going to a little startup church here in Roswell, and uh, she invited me to go with her. And finally, I relented after months. And uh, I heard the gospel that day for the very first time that I had heard ears to hear. The first time I had ears to hear it. I would surely heard it along the line, but it never sort of struck me in any way. And that day I got down on my knees in a pastor's office right here in Roswell and I surrendered my life to Christ. And as I stood up that morning, just with tears streaming down my face, just with the weight of my sin lifted off me. I can remember looking at Kim when I stood up and saying, it's real. It's real. God is real. It's the first experience I'd ever had with God in my own being that it was so clear that God was real. And for the last 28 years, that reality has been a constant companion in my life. Not a flash in the pan. 28 years of following a real and present God of serving and worshiping a real and present God. Is God real to you? Or are you just going through the motions? Is God present in your life? He's real. And we discover that as He reveals Himself to us. Psalm 98 says this, the Lord has made his salvation known. The Lord has revealed himself. He's revealed 
to mankind, the plan he has for our salvation to restore us back to a relationship with him, one that we fractured because of our sin, and he has revealed his righteousness to everyone. Everything we know about God, we know because he has chosen to reveal it to us. He didn't have to do that. Let me ask you something. Has God revealed himself to you? Has God revealed himself to you? You say, Phil, what does that even look like? How does God do that? I hear about your experience, you know, 28 years ago. and No, nothing like that's ever happened to me. And honestly, I had a Damascus Road experience. My life radically changed literally from one moment to the next. Radically change not everybody that's that's the exception not the rule but God reveals himself to us and he reveals himself several ways that we discover first and foremost he reveals himself like he did uh, to me on the beach uh, last week he reveals himself through his creation Romans 1, the Apostle Paul said this, he said, For the, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, clearly revealed, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Just look around. Every leaf, every tree, every mountain, every sea declares the glory of of God. One writer put it this way. He said, There are enough evidences of supreme skill in the structure of the human hand alone to prove the existence, the intelligence, and the benevolence of a Creator God. Amen. When's the last time you just stop? I mean, we just hydroplane through life. When's the last time you just stopped and went, Unbelievable. I mean, really. He's revealed himself through his creation, through the human body. Man, random accident, all this, or an intelligent designer. Again, it takes more faith to believe the former. God reveals himself to us through his creation, but even more so through his word. Paul told Timothy, his protege, he said, All scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is inspired by God. All scripture comes from the very heart and mind of God himself, the creator of the universe. Through the Bible, we learn the attributes of God. We learn who He is, how He operates, how He interacts with us, how He cares for us. So when we're driving 80 miles an hour to a hospital, we know who we're calling on for help. Through His Word, He reveals Himself as eternal, as holy, as unchanging, as infinite, as invisible, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, self-existent, self-sufficient. Good, loving, gracious, merciful, just, and sovereign over all creation. 
Through His Word, He reveals Himself to us and how we can know Him in an intimate way. He is a personal God, a relational God who pursues us, His creation, His children. And that leads us to the fullest and the final revelation of God, and that is His Son. Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews put it this way. He said, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days of which we are in today, He has spoken to us by His Son. He's revealed Himself to us through His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. That's what Colossians tells us in Colossians 1. Colossians also tells us that Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God. He's the picture of who God is. God has not revealed Himself more fully through anything than His Son Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen what? The Father. If you've seen me, you've seen God. I'm right here. I'm revealing to you who he is. And we have the Gospels. We have Genesis to Revelation where Jesus is present to teach us who God is. And so God has revealed himself most distinctly to us through the Incarnation through the enfleshing of His Son. And through Jesus' life, His death, His resurrection, God reveals the depth of His love for us. He is a relational God that loves you, that loves me beyond anything we could possibly imagine. Unconditionally. What does that mean? That means He loves you just as much. Get this. He loves you just as much on your worst day than He does on your best day. If you can get that in your head, that's the fullness of grace. It's not about your performance. It's not about your behavior. It's not about what you can do to please God. It's about what Christ has done on the cross that's finished it all on our behalf. We are forgiven in Him. And when we step into a relationship with Jesus, like I did 28 years ago, everything changes. Everything changes. We are fully forgiven. We're entirely accepted by the Father. We become His children. And like Jesus, we can call Him Abba. Abba Father. The most intimate term. In Christ, He is our Father. And we are His children. And from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is the story of God's redemptive pursuit of mankind. To bring us back to Himself. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is the story of God's relentless pursuit of you and of me. 
And he loved us so much that he was willing to send his only son. I tell you, riding down the road, you know, on vacation with what's going on with Caleb, my only son that's living, I, you know, I, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, and it just sort of begins to give you some perspective of what's going on in God's mind as he offers his only son on our behalf. That Jesus lived a perfect life so that he could die the perfect death for us. A sinless life so that he could die for all of sin. That we might step into that forgiveness and we might step into that relationship with God. Jesus is the bridge between our fallenness, our sin, and God the Father. God gave him to bring us home. I want to close with this for some just something for you to think about this week. The question really is not can you find God? Okay, you hear people, man, I don't know where God is. I I can't find God. I mean, he's invisible. I, I you know, the question is not can you find God? The question is are you willing to be found? By God. And that requires laying down yourself. That requires repentance, which is a turning away from those things that are not pleasing to God. That requires surrender. And it's the last thing we want to do. Are you willing? To be found by your creator. Creator of the universe. Contemplate that this week. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for the privilege, Lord, this morning of just exploring who you are. And Lord, we know that, that what we've talked about today doesn't touch the hem of the garment of who you are. And I, I, we look at the stars in the sky, we know there are just millions and billions and maybe infinite galaxies out there. It's just mind-blowing. And then we look at our hands and, 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 and the beauty of a newborn baby. And, and Lord, we're just in awe. Of how amazing you are. Of how intricate yet vast. And you love us. As King David said, who am I that you would love me? You love us. You've counted the hairs on our heads. You call us by name. Lord, you desire... That we be willing to be found by you. I pray this morning, Lord, for those who you've revealed yourself to uh, through your word today. Lord, that they would surrender. Those of us who have given our lives over to Christ, Lord, I pray that we would die daily. (laughs) We would surrender once again uh, to the beauty and the awesomeness of who you are, and we would live our lives in such a way that we seek to please you. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.